Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here today. Hope you can hear me all right. I didn't know if anybody would show up today or not. Pastor Tim announced that I'd be speaking this Sunday, and I, so it's very, very kind of you to show up. Uh, Pastor Tim, uh, for those of you who are guests here and those of you online who maybe first time you've watched uh, the service here, Pastor Tim, who is normally here, and he is a good preacher, so come back again next Sunday. And uh, he is up in Hibbing ministering to the church there. It was just a little over a year ago that their pastor, Roland Weaver, passed away. And what a shock that was. He was only like 62, 63 years old. And, uh, and their church is still, you know, recovering from that, uh, that situation. That's a difficult situation when a pastor, uh, you know, is no longer with them. And this Sunday, we, many of us here, are mourning the loss of Pastor Brian Erickson. Some of you maybe didn't know who Brian was. Brian actually was ministering, pastoring at least two churches right at the present time. This morning there will be two churches that no longer have their pastor with them. He also ministered at other churches too. He ministered right here in this church. He was the associate pastor. Many of you worked with him, served on boards with him or whatever. What a guy. What a preacher. I wish he was here right now preaching today. He could do a lot better job than I do. I, I had the privilege of uh, working, ministering with, uh, with Pastor Brian. Um, we were both on a board of a recovery house. And I remember when that first got started, we had a real serious problem. <laughs> and I did not know how to even approach it. But Pastor Brian handled that situation just like he did it every day. Maybe he did, I don't know. But I, I really appreciated our brother. Somehow or another, the enemy got in there. And um, I don't know what more to say. Um, we are in a spiritual warfare, every one of us, whether we like it or not. And uh, the battle is real. And, uh, but thank God we're on the winning team. We have Jesus Christ. You know, we're, we're living in perilous times right now. I think we can all agree. The Bible talks about it. You know, in the end times, it'll be perilous times. And, and uh, you, you know, with the pandemics and the political things, all this stuff that goes on, it can cause us to become fearful. Matter of fact, it says in the end days that men's hearts will fail them because of fear. But uh, the Bible also says, fear not, for I am with you. And uh, so we need to keep our focus on Jesus Christ, no matter what come, hell or high water. Uh, if we can keep believing in Christ, looking to him, keep our focus high uh, upon him and not on the circumstances around us, uh, he will get us through. I better refer to my notes or I'll get all goofed up here. Um, this morning. Uh, one verse that uh, was brought to my attention is in Isaiah. It says, A broken reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. So God, God is concerned about people who are struggling, who are, are at a weak moment. It's not like he just forsakes them and says, Well, too bad for you. Um, God cares about us even in our weakest moment. Um, okay. From what I understand, I've never been in a military situation, never been to war, but from what I understand, the enemy always tries to take the leaders out first. And we need to keep that in mind. We need to be praying for our pastors. We need to be encouraging our pastors. We need to see to it that they have support. Maybe they need a vacation. 
And, uh, you know, there's, it's a lot of work being a pastor. I used to think, well, I, that'd be an easy job. All he's got to do is work one day a week for an hour or two, and he's got the rest of the week off. But it, there's, a, there's a lot to being a pastor, ministering to the needs of people, just preparing a message, this little message that I am going to bring forth today. I probably, I probably have a week's worth of time into it, I'm kind of a slow reader, but don't worry, I'm not going to build the church for it. So, But uh, when the pastor called, he uh, asked if I wouldn't take this Sunday because he needed to be up in Hibbing. And uh, so I said, you know what? I even have something to share. I was just about to the end of reading this little book that I got for 50 cents at a rummage sale. And uh, it's a Christian book called The Three Battlegrounds. And I got to opening up. I read and was starting to read in there. I found a bookmarker in there. Guess, who's by, or guess whose book this was? It was my father-in-law, Dave Seberg's book. I thought, well, isn't that interesting? So anyhow, I, uh, I started reading this little book, The Three Battlegrounds, which has to do with spiritual warfare. And... And uh, so anyway, I knew that I had something that I needed to share with the body of Christ here. God loves you. Here's another little side note. I am not here to judge you. I'm not here to judge anybody. Matter of fact, I give up my judging job just recently, even though uh, I was experienced at it. I could judge most anybody the moment I laid eyes on them. And I would even judge God on occasion, but, uh, but I'm giving up my judging job. I don't want that job anymore. Uh, the more I did it, the worse it got. And uh, I, I don't recommend it to anybody. My, my philosophy now, I'll let God do the judging. I'm just going to love people. Just encourage people to know the Lord, to get to meet the Lord. If there's anybody here who, who hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, at the end of the service today, um, we'll have time up here at the altar. We have elders here. People would be more than happy to pray with you, visit with you. Um, yeah, God loves you. You know, the old enemy, he tries to get us discouraged and uh, I don't care who you are, if you're a pastor or if you're a lowly tree cutter, um, the enemy tries to get us discouraged, try to tell you, well, you're stupid, you're, uh, you're never going to mount to anything, you're a failure, um, you're hopeless, you're in a hopeless situation. And the enemy tries to get us discouraged, he tries to get us to believe that lie and give up. But, uh, but we have hope in God. You know, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. God is the God of hope. Okay, this book that I read is called The Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipane. It's an old book. It was written over 30 years ago. But it's probably the most, uh, had the most influence on me in any other book I've ever read other than the Bible. Because I think we can all agree we're in a spiritual warfare in this time that we're living. And we need to know who our enemy is and how he works and so we can have our defenses up. And uh, Satan's domain is the realm of darkness. Um, last Thursday morning at the men's group, one of the brothers talked about, he started talking about darkness a little bit, and you probably heard me say, amen, preach it, brother. He thought I was mocking him, but I was hoping he would really get into it, because that's the same, same line that I'm thinking in, but he just touched on it a little bit. And uh, when we tolerate sin in our own lives, and here again, uh, saints, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm talking to myself. And hopefully the rest of us will receive something out of this. When we tolerate sin in our own lives, that allows darkness for Satan to work in. When we heed uh, that 
when we need that light which is in you, excuse me, take heed that that light which is in you be not in darkness. That's Luke 11.35. And some big ones that he hides in is moral sin, pride, unforgiveness. That's just a few. There's a whole bunch more, but I'm, I'm just touching on these, some of these big ones. It says, we must walk in humility. In James 4, 7, this is a huge, a huge weapon that we have in our arsenal against the enemy, and that is to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I've had actually quite a bit of experience in this. There's been many, many, many times by God's grace I just had to resist the devil. There's been times where that temptation, that sinful thought would come into my head. I, it seemed like I could not get it out. It was like, a, what would you call it? Oh, anyway, yeah. It was just like I could not get that sinful thought out. But I kept resisting. I kept submitting to God, looking to Him, believing that He was going to help me, and uh, resisting the devil. You know what? It eventually left. The devil must have figured, no, he ain't going to knuckle under. I'll go pick on somebody else for a while. And uh, so we can... We can um, Trust in the Word of God. If we honor God's Word, if we apply it to our lives, it will work for us. So the Word of God is powerful, and uh, it won't fail us. The greatest defense you can have against the devil is to maintain an honest heart before God. Okay, I'm just... I'm just reading some of the highlights out of this book. I, I should read the whole book to you, but I'm kind of a slow reader. I'm afraid it'd be uh, Wednesday afternoon by the time we got out of here. For us to succeed in warfare, our self-preservation instincts must be submitted to the Lord Jesus. For Christ alone is our true advocate. No matter what, we need to keep our focus on Jesus, our trust in Jesus. Uh, submitting to God, show repentance and humility and surrender. Total surrender equals deliverance. And when I came to Christ 44 some years ago, I didn't know much about God or religion, but I I did believe that if I cried out to God that he would help me. That's, that's uh, principle number two in Celebrate Recovery, by the way, that you, we need to believe that God exists and that he will help us. And uh, Celebrate Recovery is a wonderful, wonderful program. I can't say enough good about it. It's really helped me. The more I study it, the more I realize how this really is so true and it, and it, it fits, fits us. But uh, the one thing that I had going for me, I guess, when I got saved, even though I didn't know much about religion, I didn't know much about the Bible, I didn't know much about God, but I repented. And I repented of my sin. I was an addict. Drugs, alcohol, tobacco. I had all them terrible addictions. And... Uh, I thank God that was 40-some years ago. There wasn't the, I didn't have access to the high-powered drugs that are out there now. And uh, by the way, young people, um, I encourage you, uh, don't take the bait that in order to have fun, in order to be cool, you got to use drugs, you got to get drunk, you got to party every night and get high and get loaded and... Be wild and crazy if you're going to have a lot of fun. Because that's not true. That's a, a lie of the enemy. I, I was foolish enough to go for that. It darn well killed me. 
But the, the only good part about it was it, is it caused me to repent. It brought me to the place where I knew I needed help. I knew I needed God. And when I called out to him, when I repented to him, he delivered me from those addictions. And there's something about repentance and deliverance. When we really and truly repent, we'll really and truly experience deliverance. And, and that's what happened to me. So I'm living proof of it, I guess. Um, and I wish I got delivered from everything, all the dark areas in my life, but I didn't. Thank God I got delivered from those things. They were some major stumbling blocks for me. They were killing me, as a matter of fact. But uh, there were other areas in my life that I wasn't so quick to surrender to God and give up. And uh, those were areas that I struggled. Those were areas, they were uh, strongholds in my life. Things that I, I picked up when I was young. You know, they'd become, I thought they were just a part of me. But they were strongholds in my life that, uh, that I needed to surrender from. Yeah, I, I remember telling God, it was in the old house of Agape, in the bathroom. I won't tell you what I was doing, but I was, uh, anyway, um, I said, God, I'm going to serve you even if it kills me. And uh, God must have honored that. And uh, because um, he's kept me all these years, 40-some years. And it, and it has been a dying process, and Dying isn't always a fun thing to do. I, uh, my my uh, human nature does not always want to surrender to God. It wants to do its own thing. Okay, it is in the context of repentance, humility, and possessing a clean heart that we find Satan fleeing from us. Repentance, humility. Yeah, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's... That's the way it is. You know, we need to stay humble before the Lord and uh, have a repentive heart. If there's sin in our life, we need to give it up. We need to be willing to repent of it, give it up. And having a clean heart, it says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And with God's help, we can have a pure heart or at least be working on it anyway. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on our lips. Yeah, it's only in Christ. You know, the, the enemy would like to get us to uh, keep the focus on him, keep the focus on the battle, keep the focus on the devil, but we need to keep the focus on Jesus. <laughs> He's our captain. He's, that's, how, that's how we're going to win this battle, when we keep Jesus in his rightful place as the Lord of our life. And, uh, yeah, and you know what? I think we can even have fun in this battle because we're on the winning team. If you know you're going to kick butt, you can have confidence that, hey, I'm going to win this war. We just got to... <laughs> we, uh, we, yeah, we just need to keep following our commander-in-chief, the best one who ever lived. He defeated the devil himself. Not even death could keep him down. And uh, so we have a hope. Okay, we'll continue to look at some other notes here. Satan fears virtue. And he is terrified of humility. He hates it because humility is the surrender of the soul to the Lord, and the devil is terrified of Jesus Christ. And uh, humility, um, this, this probably isn't quite exactly a quote out of the book, but humility, in my estimation, is tied to worship. Worship is a very important thing. In our battle against darkness, our battle against Satan, worship is crucial. And a really good example is Job. You ever hear of a fellow by the name of Job? He was quite a guy. When I get to heaven, I want to meet him and visit with him a little bit. Yeah, it says that he was the most, most godly, righteous man on earth. 
And the devil wanted to test him. He was kind of like, the way I look at it, it's kind of like him and God had a bet going on. The devil bet that he could get Job to curse God. And, uh, but God, <laughs> God knew better, I guess. He knows the end <laughs> from the beginning. And uh, he said, all right, go ahead, test him. Just don't take his life. And basically in one day he lost everything he had. He was a very wealthy man. He lost his servants. He lost his flocks, his crops, his children. Could you imagine having that all taken away from you in one day? That'd be enough to that'd be enough to drive a guy crazy, probably. But but what Job did? Anybody? Can anybody tell me what Job did? Yeah, that was what he stated. But another thing he did, he fell down and worshipped. Yeah, when he heard that news, what had happened, he fell down and he worshipped God. God help us to have that kind of confidence in God where no matter what happens, we still worship God. This is a challenge. This is a challenge for me and probably a challenge for you too. But God... Uh, God help us. Yeah, worship is a very important part in spiritual warfare. Okay, we'll go out uh, pulling down strongholds, what men call salvation, according to this book now. It's, I'm not smart enough to come up with all this on my own. I'm just basically quoting what I read in the book. What men call salvation is simply the first stage of God's plan for our lives, which is to conform us in character and power to the image of Jesus Christ. Remember, we used to sing a song here years ago. It was called, uh, He's Changing Me. He's changing me, changing me from earthly things to the heavenly. His likeness and image to perfect in me the love of God shown to the world. So that's what that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to change us, conform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect man. And, uh, and you know what? He can do it. To me, that's the biggest miracle probably of all, that He can take a sinner and turn him into the image of Jesus Christ. And uh, He seems to enjoy a challenge because I know that's where I came in the picture. I was spiritually bankrupt. It, it, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I can't remember exactly how they, how does their end of that go? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And he can take someone who's spiritually bankrupt, when they get Jesus in them, <laughs> he can turn them into the image of Jesus Christ, his son. What a deal. And he's doing that with you folks. Isn't that something? That's something to be happy about. That's something to be... That's something to worship about. Yeah. Amen. You guys are awake. I didn't know for sure. Okay. If we fail to see our relationship to God as such, we will allow too many areas within us to remain unchanged. Pulling down strongholds is the demolition and removal of these old ways of thinking so that the actual presence of Jesus Christ can be manifested through us. So I imagine we all have strongholds. I know I do. I got plenty. If you don't have enough, I got enough to cover you too. These are areas. And it's kind of exciting to see and to experience that God is actually changing me. I've been walking with the Lord for over four years. I'm 60, going to be 64 years old here pretty soon. But it, this... This faith walk is actually exciting. It's, 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 uh, it's abundant life. That's what Jesus... And, and it goes, it starts now in this life and it goes on right throughout eternity. And uh, what a deal. Okay. Okay, we can create good strongholds also. There's strongholds that Satan has to use against us, but we can create good strongholds too. And... Uh, 
Uh, David says in Psalm 18:2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Da- David knew where his strength was. He knew uh, he had a good relationship with God. God brought him through all kinds of terrible situations and he came through victoriously and he and he wasn't perfect by the way if you know anything about the bible you could pick out some very serious mistakes very serious sins that david did but he repented he he was uh quick to repent and god put the finger on him okay when we discover rebellion toward god within us we must not defend or excuse ourselves Anybody here have a tendency of defending or excusing themselves? I'm really good at that, uh, passing the buck. Well, I did that because of this and this and that and the other. Yeah, but uh, we we need to not allow that to defend our our faults or our sins. We need to own them, and uh, rather uh, we must humble our hearts and repent exercising our faith in God to change us. That makes sense? God is able to change us, no matter how bad we are. The sin habit often becomes the dwelling place for a spirit that is robbing a believer of power and joy. Yeah. Yeah. If we allow sin into our life. I believe pornography is a big one. Big, big time for men to get trapped in and think that, you know, well, it's not so bad, I'm not hurting anybody. But it, it robs you of your strength spiritually. And, uh, and if that's a trap you're in, fellas, I encourage you to repent, get out of it, stop viewing it, uh, if you need prayer, if you need help, I'd be happy to pray with you afterwards. Um, yeah, the world is full of temptations. The, the old devil, he's got bait, he's throwing out all the time. And uh, we'll get into that a little, a little bit further here, uh, a little bit more and a little bit here. The pulling down of strongholds starts with repentance, present. Repentance precedes deliverance, and deliverance often leads to healing in other areas. So that that simple thing of repentance um, seems like our society today don't really like to use it or think about it or whatever, but that simple thing is so powerful, that, that real repentance, there's no substitute for it. Okay, and I... Yeah, thank you for bearing with me, folks. Okay. All right, now, have any of you ever uh, thought about, you ever think about what you think about? It, it's something to think about. <laughs> but what, what we allow in our minds, what we concentrate on, has a huge impact on us. And there is so much evil, bad things that wants to occupy our minds. The, the world is full of it. And uh, there's been many times in my past I had to catch myself, especially in the area of bitterness or unforgiveness. This was a big one for me. I'd catch myself getting all riled up all stewed up inside. I'd be thinking about somebody who had hurt me or offended me or whatever. And I'd say, whoa, what, what is going on? Where, you know, where is my mind going? And I'd have to repent of that. And, and I'd <coughs> try to pray for that individual. And that would bring, bring relief. But we have to guard, guard our hearts and guard our minds. Uh, the next chapter says, a house made of thoughts. Okay, I am going to do some reading out of here now. 
There was so much reading to do, I thought, I'm just going to read out of the book. I can't write all this down. Taking every thought captive to Christ. While we may find comfort in being Christians, being a Christian has not made us perfect. Anybody else other than me find that out? Yeah, we ain't perfect yet. Don't see anybody out there with a halo over their head. Not yet, anyway. Okay. There are still many strongholds within us. Therefore, let us identify some of these spiritual fortresses. Rare is the Christian who is not limited by at least one of the following strongholds. Unbelief. Cold love. That's an interesting one. Fear. Pride. Unforgiveness. Lust. Greed. Or any combination of these as well as the, the possibility of many others. Because we excuse ourselves so readily, it is difficult to discern the areas of oppression in our lives. After all, these are our thoughts, our attitudes, our perceptions. We justify and defend our thoughts with the same degree of intensity with which we justify and defend ourselves. As it is written in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, the essence of who we are is in our thought life. Therefore, before any deliverance can truly be accomplished, we must honestly recognize and confess our need. We must stop pretending everything is all right. We must humble ourselves and seek help. Indeed, as previously mentioned, the first stronghold that God must remove is pride. I know I have done some soul searching, and I, uh, I thought, how come I didn't get saved sooner? What was, the, what was the deal? You know, I knew about God. I grew up in a Christian home, and, and uh, how come I didn't get saved sooner? What was the deal? And, and the, what come to me is I was so proud, I didn't think I needed God. I didn't think I needed anybody for that matter. I thought, I'm a man. I can figure it out on my own. And uh, that pride just about killed me. The, the only good that become of my foolish, sinful, addicted life it actually drove me to God. I become so miserable I couldn't live that way any longer. And I knew something had to change. And that's what, I guess that's what humbled me to the place where I was willing to call out to God and ask for his help. And you know what? He come through better than I would have imagined. Yeah, God, our, our perception, our judgment our, uh, is so... Uh, can be so off that, uh, you know, and Satan likes that. He likes to fill our mind with thoughts. I'm going to tell a little story here. I probably shouldn't, but I will anyway. Um, there was a fellow in town years ago, probably 30 years ago. I knew of him, and uh, he was a very wealthy man. And uh, I knew he owned a lot of real estate in this area. He, he owned a bare lot right here in town right about in the middle of town is by the street department and I remember one time I asked one of the street guys I said why don't you guys do something with that lot just weeds and scrap iron and whatnot and and uh, the guy told me he said well we don't own that that belongs to old man so and so and then uh, one other time I was doing a job not too far from Barry's on Westlake Drive here this old abandoned house sit there in this nice big lot and I was working right next door in this old resort. And I thought, well, for sure, these resort people must own this. So I asked him, said, Ole, uh, how come somebody don't do something with that lot there? Or, you know, what's the deal with that? And he said, no, old man so-and-so owns it. I imagine he'll be putting a condo in there or some apartment buildings or something someday. And I, later on, I found he owned the Washington Square Mall and owned... J.C. Penney stores all over the state and whatnot, <laughs> and, and it, so I knew this. I knew who he was. He'd come in rolling in town, always alone, driving his brand new Ford three-quarter ton pickup, 
that I coveted after, wearing his cowboy hat. And uh, I just perceived this guy has got to be a modern-day Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> you know, he's got all this money and everything. So, and then, lo and behold, my wife was looking for some real estate for us to move to a bigger piece of land. And she seen this, took a look in the plat book here. He looked like he owned about half a bigger county. So she called him to see if he would sell any land, you know, to us. And he said, no. He says, I got nothing for sale. And, he's, and he said, well, what are you going to use it for? And they got to visiting a little bit. And he changed his mind. And that old fella sold us the very piece of land he was going to build a house on himself. And so my, my judgment or my perception of him was totally wrong. He became a good friend of mine and uh, a friendship that I'll always cherish. He's gone now. He, the years finally caught up to him. And the Lord told me, uh, spoke to me one time after that. He said, you know what? He said, a lot of people's perception of me is like your perception of old so-and-so. They think that I'm harsh, I'm cruel, that, uh, you know, mean. <laughs> and uh, this old fella treated me just like a son, treated our family just like we were his family. Most, one of the most generous guys I think I've ever met. And so we, we need to, that's quite a story. I don't know why I went down all that, but... Um, we need to be careful what our perception of God is. You know, God is loving and kind, and, and, uh, and he's going to help us get through our trials. He's going to help us get through our difficulties. He's going to help us get all the way to the end through this. I don't, even if the Democrats are in office, he's going to help us. We're going to get through this. Even if the Republicans get back in office, we're still going to get through to the end. Oh, Lord. Here, two, two major things. I'm talking religion and politics in church. Okay. Okay, for until one is willing to admit that he needs deliverance, he will never be free from strongholds. So until we realize and acknowledge that, yes, God, I want to be free of this, um, it ain't going to happen. Okay, defeat the stronghold of failure. You can bear with me for a few more minutes here. I'll try to get you released on time. Capture the thought, I am a failure. Any of you ever had that thought? I'm a failure. I'm never going to amount to anything. This is, I'll, I'll never succeed. Okay, well, repent of that thought. If you've had it, that's a lie from the devil. Asking God to forgive you and ask God to forgive you for your unbelief. Let your mind be renewed by the word of God, which states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a wonderful promise. We can do it. We can do all things through Christ. Maybe we maybe can't do it in ourselves, but we can do it in Christ. Whatever he's called us to do, we can do it. Even though you have failed and will probably fail again in the future, now, because God is in your life, you can confidently proclaim, though I was a failure, my sufficiency comes from God himself. I am fully able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's another place in the Bible that says, if God be for you, what can be against you? You're unstoppable. I think, you know, David is one of my favorite one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And he must have had such a close relationship with God. He must have had such a, a love for God that he had no fear <laughs> and, and he didn't think didn't think anything could stop him. And and he was right that uh, God God enabled him to do everything that he needed to do, even kill a bear, even kill a lion with his bare hands, kill a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall giant with a rock. You know, he, to be, be, the Bible says he was Israel's greatest king. He was a super, 
super leader, super general, super economist when you read about all the wealth that he acquired to build that temple. Um, he, he got it all ready for his son to build, but it's just astronomical. It was probably, I, I don't even dare mention because my figures will probably be way low, but uh, David... David was anointed by God. God honored his faith, and he was able to do fantastic things. And so can we. Arrest the thought, I am just a sinner. I've used that one before. Replace it with the confession of your faith, which says, Though I was a sinner, now I'm a beloved child of God. And though I occasionally still sin, The blood of Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Awesome. These are wonderful verses that we need to have. Just like David had them five round stones in his purse or his uh, bag or whatever he had there, his arsenal, we need to have these scriptures in our arsenal so we can quote them quick. I know it's helped me uh, in my my battle, my own spiritual battle, memorize those scriptures. Even, you know what? Even Jesus used scripture. The same scripture verses that we have access to is, access to is what Jesus used when he uh, confronted the devil, when he battled with the devil. Same stuff we got. And we have Jesus in us plus the scripture, so we're bound to win this battle. We just got to keep Keep hanging in there. We can't give up. Can't turn back and run. Okay, destroying the stronghold of fear. I'll try to get through this one. Uh, You can be delivered from that oppression on your soul by releasing and forgiving those who hurt you. To the the degree that you truly uh, let the incident go and forgive the offender, to that same degree... God will restore your soul to a balanced and healthy attitude towards people. As you increase in this process of forgiveness, you will grow in love. And as the scripture says, there is no fear in love. Love casts out fear. The stronghold of fear will be replaced by the stronghold of love. Brothers and sisters, that's the stronghold I want to have operating in my life is a stronghold of love. No fear, just love. I, I used to think, you know, right after I got saved, is I hope the Lord don't send me to be a missionary to one of them cannibal villages down in Africa or someplace because I don't want to, you know. And I know there's people that go you know, the, the Schroyer family, they will be going uh, before long, I imagine, over down to Africa. I don't think there's any cannibals there where they're going. But, but even, the, uh, even the disciples and the apostles, they went into hostile environments. They knew that the people they were going to minister were very apt to kill them. And, and uh, they did. All the apostles but John uh, were martyred. And some of them brutally, uh, I think it was Bartholomew, they scun them alive. And um, anyhow, I used to think, boy, they must have really loved God. They must have really been brave, you know, to go ahead and do that. But I'm getting the revelation now is that they not only love God, but they love those people. They were willing to risk their lives to reach out to those people so they could hear the gospel, so they could so they could receive Jesus. And I don't think they went out trembling in their boots, biting their nails, and uh, jumping every time uh, they heard a door squeak. I believe they boldly and gladly were willing to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ and for the people that needed to hear the gospel. And, and that's where I want to get to be too, where so full of love for people, so full of love for God that I ain't worried about my life anymore. Okay. Um, you know, another area we have to be careful of, you know, we're talking about thought life. What are we watching and what are we listening to? 
You know, in <laughs> excuse me, Second uh, or Ephesians two two, it refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. I never give it any thought before. But not too long ago, I was sick with the COVID. I'm all, all over. That was quite a while ago. You don't have to worry about me no more. But uh, anyhow, I was so sick, I didn't feel like doing much anything. So I stayed home. For a long time, we didn't get channels on our TV, so that wasn't much of an issue. But now we got all kinds of channels on our TV. So I'd stay at home. I was hoping to find a Western or a documentary or something, the news. And so I'd be channel surfing. And I was shocked how much garbage was on the TV. Just nasty garbage. And if it wasn't lewd, it was demonic or, you know, just evil, murdering and killing and this. And when I was reading in, in this book, he said, he brought out the fact that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And the, the light come on. That meant, I, I thought, that's, that must be true. Because you can see in, in our world today how the enemy is trying to, trying to bombard our minds with so much garbage. And so we need to be careful, folks, what we watch. Oh, oh I got to. I'm going to read a little something out of, out of Billy Graham. I have a devotional. Billy Graham, hope for each day. Some of you maybe have this. I encourage you folks, if you don't have a devotional, get one. Better yet, get two or three. There will be inspirational, short reading. I keep mine in my bathroom so I don't waste any time. And, but uh, it says... Uh, It says, and this was the thought for today. If you don't believe me, come up and read it. It, January 31st, godly thoughts. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's something how that particular devotion on this day when I'm trying to teach on this, Old Billy Graham, he's dead and gone, but his legacy, his ministry is still working today. The Bible teaches us that our minds are to be brought under the control of Christ. The reason how we act will be be determined by how we think. If God is to change our lives, he must first change our minds. The human mind cannot exist as a vacuum. It will be filled either with good or evil. It will be filled either with Christ or with carnality. What will make the difference? It depends on us and on what we allow to enter our minds. Negatively, excuse me, our minds must be turned away from evil. We must be careful what kind of television programs we see, what kind of books we read, the things that occupy our thoughts. But isn't it enough, excuse me, but it isn't enough to put bad thoughts out of our minds. Positively, they must be replaced with good thoughts. Thoughts that are shaped by God and His Word, by prayer and worship by fellowship with other Christians. Deliberately turn away from every evil thought today and ask God to fill your mind instead with himself from this moment on. And he goes on to say, hope for today. It is a dangerous thing to go out into the world empty. Everything the enemy presents will seem sweet. Choose to fill yourselves with the things of God so that you won't be tempted by the world's offerings. Well, I almost hate to quit. I'm having so much fun up here. Well, I'll maybe do one more thing. I'll sing you a song. No, no. I'll, 
I'll spare you. I'll just read it. Uh, uh, when I was preparing for this message, this old hymn come to my mind. The only problem was I couldn't remember what the title of it was. So, like I usually do, I started at the back of the book and I worked my way forward. Well, once you know what the hymn was almost on the very front. But, <clears throat> but the good thing, um, you know, years ago, um, hymns was a very common thing. We'd sing hymns. And so I was thumbing through all these old hymns and they would come to mind because I did... I remember singing these old hymns. And I remember the old saints that were here that would sing these old hymns. And the wonderful legacy, Lonnie's folks, um, Marlis's folks, uh, so many others, I can't, I won't even bother to name all. But the one that stuck out in my mind was Brother Jim Herb. I don't know if any of you had the chance to like work with Jim or be around him, you know, other than in church. But he was always singing a hymn. He had the joy, he had that, he had that big smile. I could just hear his voice singing these hymns as we were, as I was thumbing through here. But this, this hymn was the one I was looking for. It's called The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, might be pretty soon too. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm going to close this with a prayer. And if anybody needs prayer, or if you need to talk or something, come on up. Be happy to pray with you. I'm sure Lonnie would too, and anybody else here that would feel led to help minister. And uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together here. Thank you for these dear people. God, thank you that you have made a way for us to be a part of your church. Thank you for Jesus who made it all possible. Help us to keep our focus on him and the hope that we have in him. God, and we want to again uplift the Brian Erickson family. And I again want to pray for those here who are so close to Brian. What a, what a loss it was. But God, you know all things, and, and we trust that he's in your care. We pray these things now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be dismissed.